Welcome to the Salty Carmel Podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel. This is a brand new podcast where we are going to spread evangelization stories to the ends of the earth from normal parishioners like yourselves. I'm David Cook, the Stewardship Director from Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and my co-host is the unforgettable Jody Curtis. Our guest today is my dear friend, Christine Burroughs. Christine and her husband, Peter, and their four children, Kate, Luke, Sadie, and Mary, have been members of Our Lady for 14 years since they moved to Westfield from Maryland in 2006. Over the years, Christine and her family have been involved in PRE, to the Haiti Committee, to the Gospel of Life, uh, serving the food pantry, and more. They typically attend the 11 o'clock Mass, but have been seen at Sunday evening Masses (laughs) and occasionally at 8 a.m. When the Burroughs moved here in 2006, they bought the house next door to her sister, Donna Sullivan, and her family. And Christine thanks Donna for handing her great friends a book club, a tennis team, and Our Lady of Mount Carmel, all of which been tremendous gifts in helping the family find their way and call the community home. So, Christine, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're here basically to ask you a couple questions, but what was your life like before Christ, before you had all these great gifts? When you were reading it back to me, my sister Donna's name became such a big part of that. And I was thinking, you know, she's been a part of my life my entire journey, you know, from childhood till now. And I still consider her kind of a Sherpa in a lot of this as an older sister when we were both just kind of winging it and, you know, doing whatever our parents told us and going to church to kind of inquiring minds of college and high school and doubt and trying to formulate answers to becoming young mothers and business partners with our husbands, to living next door as neighbors, to becoming co-parishioners and ministers together in different um, ministries there. I think she's been a guiding force for me. And so when I think of life before and after, or before and during, um, you know, she's been a kind of continuous element in all of that. And, and when you asked me to fill out this form, you know, I said the theme is people and legacy. And they kind of go hand in hand for me that the people have always been the, um, you know, whenever I've been a little distracted, like I'm going to go over here, God, and do this. And God will beam somebody down and say, oh, wait, follow her. Follow him. <laughs> and I'd say uh, Donna's been a big part of that. And my heart hurts right now a little bit because she's no longer with Our Lady of Mount Carmel. So she kind of left me, you know. And Christine, I think you're a cradle Catholic, right? Yeah, yeah. The family was raised Catholic. Dad was a, uh, we just talked about this this morning on our FaceTime with my mom. My dad was a, he liked to do shut-in mass at home. (laughs) But the rest of us went to church every Sunday. I went to Catholic elementary school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so was there one concrete moment in your life when you said yes to Jesus? So I would characterize my personality as a child and as a high schooler and college student as incredibly curious. Somebody who would have dreams about, you know, myself as an atom in the universe and wonder what that meant and seeking to kind of find answers to that. And when I went to college, I um, was a religious studies major and a philosophy major. And I thought I kept seeking out answers that were going to be found in a book or found in a, you know, some sort of revelation in a class. And uh, when I was a senior in college, I went on a January term to Jerusalem 
to see the Holy Land. And there was another student that was there from another school who we kind of did a side trip, you know, to a coffee shop one day. And she was really, really devout. And I wasn't at a Catholic university. I was at a Methodist university. And I just hadn't really found that, you know, connection yet. And Carol Gabrielli, you know, again, one of the one of my Sherpas, kind of one day we we're having coffee, starts talking about transubstantiation. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really think I believe that. <laughs> she just kind of laid it out there. And it, like, I don't know, maybe it just took a different person, a peer, somebody who was, you know, in that moment, but she just kind of hooked me. And when I came back, I just kind of went to mass in a whole different light. And her voice kept kind of radiating in my back, in the back of my head. I'd say that was the beginning of my reconversion to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And I love that that you mentioned God brought a person down for you. You know, God let, has been leading you with people in your life. And I think that gets undersold in a lot of our lives. We just kind of think we're doing it on our own, but God's giving us little gifts of friends. I would say on both levels, like on the level of Sherpa and then also as evangelist, like people aren't put in our lives for no reason. So when we meet somebody, they may be the ones leading us or we may be the ones leading them. And you never know what God's asking of you on a given day. So you just need to be fully, you know, awake, fully ready. I mean, I always say, I'm your, I'm your boots on the ground, man. What do you need from me today? Ah, I love <laughs> it. You kind of mentioned it, but we're going to ask, what was your mindset about God as a youth? So I said the words curious. I was also like a deep intellectual just to, you know, <laughs> frame it up. I, um, I wouldn't say I was like a book snob, but I was just like one of those people who thought I was going to get whatever I needed from something academic. And I actually, another turning point for me was interesting in the study of Hinduism. You know, I remember reading about bhakti devotion, which is knowing God by loving God. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm bastardizing that, but that kind of resonated with me like a moment of, a, oh, wait, I don't need, I'm not going to know God through reason. I'm going to know God through love. And again, kind of a pivotal point. So I would say that that wasn't my childhood, but that was definitely my young adulthood. So what role has religion continued to play in your spiritual development? Yeah, you know, I, um, I kind of came in hook, line, and sinker into the Catholic faith again as a, a mother when I decided that that was, you know, I married a man who wasn't Catholic and he agreed to become Catholic so we could raise our children that way. And we have been, you know, we've loved our churches, we've loved our communities, we've loved our faith. And so I think that religion as a Catholic now is a, is a template, a format for us to love God actively, to love God in community. And so I rely heavily upon that, but I don't, I'm always interested in other people's ways of doing that too, you know, of whether it's like my brother was telling me that for Easter service, his uh, daughter, who's uh, um, at the Naval Academy, Jody, you know who she is. Yeah, yeah. She's decided that they want to go to a service, uh, you know, with a non-denominational church out of Atlanta. And I say go to, they're going to get dressed and sit in front of their (laughs) their TV, but, you know, like we're all going to be doing. But, you know, I respect everyone's journey on that one too, finding purpose and community and format through religion. Well, just hearing you talk, you sound very intellectual and you've kind of alluded to it, loving God. But I'd say that a lot of people struggle to balance those two. It's either I intellectually, philosophically know about God or I just really love God and kind of learn these points. How how have you been able to balance those two points or do you find that you lean heavily on one side more than the other? You know, I I mentioned this too, when uh, you asked the question about what are you most grateful for no matter what, and it's my memory. 
it's because the most special moments of knowing Christ and feeling completely affirmed are fleeting for all of us. You know, we have them and we're so certain in that moment. And then life happens and we move on. And so for me, the balance is almost like using my brain to remember when I felt. And so I say that also as, a, as almost like this negotiation I have with God. I think I've shared this with you before, Jody. Like, if you could give my children one moment of clarity, I would forever never have it again. I'd be okay never experiencing that kind of euphoria of loving, loving God and, and, and certainty if they could have it once. So it's kind of like this, you got to use your brain to remember your heart. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, your heart then... You know, I'd rather it lead the way all the time, but I got to say, sometimes it just is, it's uh, fickle. What, Christine, have you had some special occasions in your life where you maybe have been spiritually disrupted, but then also been brought closer to Christ? Sure. I think I was kind of mentioning some of those too, like those, uh, I, I guess I'm thinking of them as like right turns, you know, like you're, you're heading one direction and somebody kind of grabs you and says, Hey, come on over here. And, and again, I think of Carol Gabrielli again, people, my sister, Donna, here we go. I'm, <laughs> I'm a uh, mopping the floor, pregnant with my third child, you know, <laughs> thinking about, Hmm, I don't know how many more of these I can do. You know, <laughs> tired. And Donna calls and says, Hey, I got this nun. I want you to listen to. It's all about this natural family planning. And this is not your basic like rhythm method. You're going to really like this. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you. And I don't even know how we sent things back then. Cause we're talking 21 years ago or more. All right. I feel like that was a, a disruptive moment for me, a moment where I started to sync up, you know, family and faith and the theologies that were being taught to me. And honestly, that was the beginning of my understanding about theology of the body and really how I wanted to raise my kids when it came to teaching about sexuality and how it all seemed to me super, super connected about my relationship with my husband. And at the time, it was so unclear but I just had to kind of allow it to feed me. And um, I think of that as a disruptive moment. You, you mentioned how theology of the body and syncing up your faith and your family have kind of just all of a sudden made sense when you had that moment of disruption. But how have you sought to intentionally pass on your faith to your children? Right. So, you know, it's funny. Before we came out here to Indiana, where Christianity and Catholicism are so part of the mainstay, we lived in Maryland all of our lives, went away to college in Virginia and back to Maryland and started our kids there. And it was a little bit more of an uphill battle there, we were a little more countercultural. So, you know, having four kids even made me look like I had four heads sometimes. There, were, there was a lot of, you know, two kid families. Can you only imagine like 10 of them, right? And, and uh, so I felt like when we were in this one church out in the country that was just kind of this odd little place, you know, the pastor lived with his 102-year-old mother in the rectory, and he <laughs> liked to recite weird poetry before he started Mass, and we sang Happy Birthday at the end of Mass, and it was just kind of an odd little place. Um, I was like, you know, I'm going to homeschool my kids for religious studies, <laughs> like, <laughs> for PRE. So I, uh, I did that with my first couple kids, and then I realized that maybe maybe I had something I should be giving to the rest of the community there. So then I started doing PRE there and um, especially second grade because I love First Holy Communion. And I, I just kind of felt like being an educator might've been something that I was called to do within the church and then ended up doing it again out here, taught second grade for several years with my daughters then as assistants. 
and then have really embraced again the theology of the body. And now Peter and I are um, we're mentor couples for you know the engaged couples. And though we don't teach them about theology of the body, you know that's actually been taught to them in their little workshop. You know when they come to us, we we're able to kind of continue the the train of thought. So it's just been an opportunity to educate within my family, educate within the community. Thank you for sharing that, and thank you for your involvement in the parish and those types of activities as well. You mentioned earlier that, you know, in Our Lady, we like to say grateful no matter what, and you mentioned that you were most grateful for your memory, which is, I love that. Like, what an important part of all of us that we don't, I've never thought to be grateful for my memory. So that's a good reminder for all of us to think about being grateful for our memory. And my memory is sometimes fleeting. I mean, just the older we get, what we cho- what we get to remember isn't always our own choice. And I love when those memories come without our calling on them. Yeah. When a memory just jumps into you, you know, through a, a person or an event and you get to remember the point of that <laughs> like what was that memory and why did i have it then all of a sudden there's this clarity about the experience and and it almost always points to the hand of god you know shaping and molding us and and giving us opportunity and those memories just help us understand at a deeper level the older we get to passing on some of this wisdom to us to the listeners we like to ask this question what keeps you salty or basically how are you staying close to god how are you doing it intentionally this week? What's some tangible things that you would give your wisdom on? Oh, David, I wish you had not asked me that question. <laughs> I have to say, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I mean, I, this has not been the best Lent for me. You know, I, I'm feeling a little unsalty. I'm going to have to tap into some history and some memories to be able to feel really strong in my faith this Lent. I think in past Lents, I've really felt connected to whatever, you know, I've set for myself as my intentions and my goals. And now this Lent, in spite of the fact that probably making it through, having kept all of them, for some reason, I still feel really disconnected. And I think that's because I don't get to, you know, I don't get to have communion. I don't get to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ together in community. I haven't had a chance to just smell the incense. You know, I'm just really hungering for it. So I'm sorry to say that I don't have any saltiness to offer. I hear you. I don't think you're alone in that regards yeah. with Lent. It's been very hard. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, it sure has. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Christine. You have some great insight for all of our listeners. Well, thank you for having me. I know you guys are doing a great job pulling together people of all different walks of life and different places. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. So, David, what's our call to action this week? Our call to action this week is to remember a specific moment where we felt very close to God, where we felt that he loved us and that we loved him, and fix that moment in time, in our memory, and go back to it whenever we're feeling disrupted, whenever we're feeling bored, whenever we're feeling down. Let's end with a prayer. God, our Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, I might hear the call of the new evangelization to deepen my faith, grow in confidence to proclaim the gospel, and boldly witness to the saving grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. 
Amen. Thanks for listening today. And stay salty. Thank you.